Stilton. I don't recall that my, name at my all. Name is Vi my name is Vida, Sister Prince, and I'm with them. I'm interviewing Mercedes. 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 Because originally my name was spelled M E R C E D E E S. Oh, I see. And the Board of Education took one of the E's out. And you left it that way? Yes, couldn't do anything else about it. And that name is too long for our machine. We can't get all the name of it. Ah. As if my mommy didn't know what she's doing when she named me. Oh. Well, it's, it's, it's June 30th, 1994. This interview is being done for the uh, project Oral History Project, Race and Memory in St. Louis. It's my independent study for the Missouri Historical Society. And I, my name is Vida Sister Prince. And I, um, let's, let's begin with, were you, were you, um, you were born in St. Louis? Yes. Were you born? 4230. West Kennerly Avenue. You were, you were born at home? Yes. Tell me about your mama. Pictures your up on the television. I'm looking. Oh. Straight up a. Your mother and father? Yes. Is that you behind? Yes. Can I bring it over? You may. They're handsome folks. Were they from St. Louis, Mercedes? My father was from Festus, Missouri. And my mother was born up here north St. Louis. May I help you? Wait, I understand these. That's your mail. Wait a minute, let me, let me move it. Oh, just put it on the floor under the chair. Okay. I'll just put it under, right under the table. That's okay. And your bag is right there next Fine. to it. Fine. Thank your, you. All right, your father was from Festus and your and your mother was from North St. Louis? Mm-hmm. And he came to St. Louis? I don't know where, when either of them came here. Um... Were you an only child? Yes. What uh, What did your father do? He couldn't find work to do here because coming from Festus and working in Herculaneum in the glass factory was the only skill that he had knowing the working with glass there. And my mother's people came from Forestdale, Missouri. Up in the lumber uh -huh. area of Missouri. So they met here. Yes. And um, they're 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 very um, modern looking. <laughs> they they don't have a. Uh, I I have a grandfather who who he could have lived today, you know, and fit right in and. And uh, and your parents had that same. 
Are you comfortable there in yeah, that chair? Yeah, very comfortable. All right. Just sitting right here. Um, tell me about growing up. <laughs> tell me what it was like. That was the Ville, wasn't it? Yes, it was part of the Ville. Or would you like to enlarge a little bit upon your father and mother? I'd like to hear about them. Um, did your mother did your mother work? Yes, but uh, <coughs> when she was sixteen years old, she was I don't know playing or someone pushed her or what and made her fall in front of Simmons School, which is on St. Louis Avenue, and her leg and knee struck the edge of the bricks that were around the yard. And in those days, they didn't know what to do for her. And little pieces of bone would come out every once in a while. And until she passed, every day of her life, she had to clean that wound and pick out any of the little bones that were sticking up. It never healed. Three times during my lifetime as a younger person, under 20, that her leg was drawn back and she couldn't put, her, put it down, straighten it out to walk at all. Mm. So I had much to do around, to learn to do around the house and help her. You had a lot of responsibilities. Yeah, but every two-room flat <laughs> that went up in the ville, we moved into it. That's <laughs> <laughs> the way it seemed. How? How? Why was that? Oh, new and some. The first one didn't have a bathroom and just bathed in. In your wash tub, and a couple of the others coming on after that, at least had uh, the uh, toilet. Mm -hmm. And about 12 families to the floor, all two rooms, kitchen and bedroom off of one long porch. Um, so your kitchen, kitchen in the bedroom, and where did you sleep? I don't know. <laughs> I guess on a cot, a cot in the kitchen. In the kitchen. I have a question that I've asked a lot of people, and I would like to have an answer, but nobody seems to know. You had a tub like a number two tub or yeah. a three tub that you bathed in. Yeah. Okay. What did you, do? how did you get rid of the water? If you were on the second floor, how did people get rid of the water? I'm only thinking about where that tub hang. I think we had water in the, uh, in the two room, uh, in the kitchen. Uh huh. And this is where the water 
had to dip the water out of the tub and pour it down the down the drain drain and the kitchen sink drain and then rinse and dry the tub out and there's something they had they put on the banister in front of the in front of the uh, door uh-huh. and hung the the wash tub over that banister. Okay. Well, I thank you because everybody always says, "Oh, oh, I don't know," <laughs> oh. and we laugh. But now that's where the tub, the tub and the uh, boiler. Almost every family had a wash tub and a boiler, and you could bring the boiler in, put it on the stove, and with pots, fill that with your water and soap, and uh, put the dirty clothes in there stand on a wooden box which the uh, milkman brought his, brought the milk bottles of milk in and if we could get him to leave us one of those he did and that's what that was what I had to stand on and with a broom handle at, at, to poke the clothes around in the boiler and uh, I don't remember how getting those clothes and hot water out of the tub that was on the fire, but somehow it was taken care of. I guess we took a pot, you know, and dipped the water. I had let it cool down enough to handle it and pour that down the sink, too. And the bathroom was outside? No, I think we had a little bit. Just a little commode, little room with a commode in it. Mm -hmm. And maybe we poured water in that commode as well as in the kitchen sink. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's as much as I can remember of that. Mm -hmm. um. And of course, to hang up the wet clothes, we used a pulley line mm -hmm. on a post in the back of the yard. My dad had put up a pulley, mm -hmm. and the clothesline went through that pulley up to the uh, banister in front of our door. Mm -hmm. And uh, as clothes were hung on that all, my mother had to do was just push them farther out and farther out until they got near the end of the line, and they stayed out there. And blow dry mm -hmm. until we're ready to bring them in. What were some of the things that you did to help uh, to go to the store and to help your mom? And my dad did most of the shopping. Your dad did? <laughs> I tried to cook and made some biscuits once and when he came in and, oh you made biscuits? I said yeah I don't know I don't know how it tastes yet picked up one of them and the thing that clatter. And what? <laughs> oh don't don't worry, don't worry, babe. They'll be better next time. Uh, what did he say? Don't worry, babe, they'll be better next time. <laughs> it sound like you were dropping oh, a rock. Oh clatter. <laughs> they look like he he's got such a pleasant And everybody scene. in his family were musicians, played some kind of a musical instrument. All the way back 
to his father. This was my grandfather. And I helped him play the organ. Your grandfather? Yeah. He would sit sideways at the organ, and I would get underneath the hand, the keyboard, keyboard. And, and pump with my hands so he could make the, the tones come out of the organ. That, that was fun? That was my job <laughs> of playing the music. I, my dad played a, a mandolin and an uncle to play. Um, well, aunt played a guitar and the uncle played a bass violin and what other? There were no horns in the family until the younger ones came along. A cousin of mine, a boy. Oh yes, there were too, because a cousin had a band. And anytime you heard a cornet, a tuba, and a drum, that was him going down the street with some funeral race group. Where were your dad's folks from? Festus is all I know. Okay, but not bef you don't know before Festus. Mm -mm. Um, uh, Festus, Herculaneum, Farmington. I don't know. And in history, in uh, what's the word I want? When you're studying your history and background. Yeah, your ancestry. Your and what what is that called now? Because I had a class in. Um, trying to trace their ancestry mm -hmm. and discovered there were two Cunningham's family in St. Louis and one had come down from Canada down through the states into St. Louis and the other Cunningham family had come up from the Gulf into St. Louis. What was your father's name? Cunningham. What was his first name? Clarence. Clarence. And your mother's? Martha Virginia Whitehead. Whitehead. <laughs> was her maiden name. Her family name was Whitehead. Uh -huh. And there were ten in that family. Did you have other? And she was a baby, the baby mm -hmm. girl in the family. Did you go to uh, Festus? much? No. My grandmother did. She would go down almost every weekend mm -hmm. and get be back in, in St. Louis by Sunday night to do the laundry. So your mom, mother did stay home most of the time or she didn't? Oh, yes. She stayed home she because of her injury. Mm -hmm. And when she was able to work at all, she uh, took care of some little children mm -hmm. 
for our two families, the Epstein's and Arthwine. Arthwine's and Epstein's she worked for. And as she got better, she took over babysitting, keeping up with the young kids in those two families and uh, housekeeping and some cooking. Do you know either of those families' first names? Oh, only one I've heard of. Uh, I think he must be quite young. Um, James Arthurine, mm -hmm. who married one of the Bush girls. Mm -hmm. um, when your father was working, what did he do? Whatever he could get to be, whatever job he could get. You were born in 1906, mm -hmm. I believe, and um, I don't know what his occupation was then. So he he just did a lot of different things to keep, keep up and keep up. And also, only thing I can remember that he was with any length of time was the. Um, the marticians in the neighborhood, he would help them mm -hmm. in going to get bodies and bringing them back and, and transporting like that. Mm -hmm. uh, did Did you have time between everything, school, and you know, to to play in the neighborhood? You went to school? There weren't that many to play with in the neighborhood. A couple of other girls and several boys. But see, as soon as the boys grew up and were out of grade school, they sent them out of town to school because there was no place for a boy to go to school here in St. Louis. Uh, the um, I've heard about the Ville, I know about the Ville, but I don't know about the Ville as early as you lived there. Well, it was named Ellardsville. Yes, but I mean about the occupations, the people, and industry. And, yeah, the well, mm -hmm. the churches were the largest community in the in the area, and the uh, area from. Martin Luther King, which we called Eastern Avenue then, all the way over to Natural Bridge was called the Ville, mm -hmm. Ellard's, Ellardsville, and I never remembered who Ellard's was, that that ground was named Ellard'sville. Yes, the gentleman by that name owned that property. Uh-huh. Um, Church, what church did you belong to? I was, well, my people were Methodists, mm -hmm. and I was christened in St. James A.M.E. Church, and uh, I can't get to it now. Out here I have a bookcase and a little porcelain cup just about as big as my little finger 
section that was given to my mother when I was christened. Was, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, a girl who lived in the neighborhood and belonged to the same church, she was going through church records all about uh, some 10 or 15 years ago and ran across my birth certificate. And that's where the name was spelled M-E-R-C-E-D-E-E-S. Um, you you went uh, you went to Simmons yeah and uh, to Marshall mm -hmm. and to Sumner and to Sumner normal normal mm -hmm. two years and then how was it that you went to Columbia University how did that come about. Well, they didn't need any teachers when I graduated from Sumner Normal. And we did well if we got one or two days subbing, you know, in a month's time. So my first job was at Children's Stock Girl at Sticks Baron Fuller. Grand Leader store, where I earned a dollar and twenty-five cents a weekend. A weekend. That was all day Saturday, from nine to five Saturday. Folding and putting out new clothes, as they called them, new clothes from a fire sale, big sale, big sale. That didn't mean a thing, but what was on the table to be sold, I had to pull out a great big drawer under the table and put all of that material in the back of that drawer and what they had brought in for fire sale in the front and redress the table of that new material. There wasn't a thing new about it. Dollar and a quarter a weekend so the car fare was seven cents. I saved 14 cents for car fare. And uh, that left me with a dime, a penny. And I used a nickel to get a little sandwich or hot dog or something like that. And uh, I don't know what I spent the other nickel for. And my seven cents to come back on the Wellston Streetcar home was I lived over on Court Brilliant, 4260 Court Brilliant. So you're still with your parents? Oh, yes. Um, he played music too at night, and you know they had lawn, lawn parties, lawn socials, and mm -hmm. and things. And he was with a, I guess they'd call it a combo now. Uh huh. Who had the lawn parties? 
Oh, different ones in the neighborhood mm -hmm. or out of the neighborhood. And they, uh -huh. they would solicit music for it. And he would be paid. Oh, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, back to uh, Stixbeer and Fuller, what was it like working there? <laughs> Mary Breen and Ludwig Bear had charge of the children's basement department. And when I got there in the morning, I had to take articles like sweaters and blouses and skirts and things like that for children and put them on the table where the customers, as they came in, would, would see them and go through them and see if they were the size they wanted for their children and so on. And that was the last thing I had to do in the evening was to fold all those things and put them back in the drawer for the next day. But what was it like working there? I mean, were they? Oh, they were very nice. Did you see customers? Did you? Oh, yeah. Because when anybody had been looking over things on the table, I had to go back behind them and Refold them mm -hmm. again. What did what did uh, what did you wear? Regular street clothes. Just your street clothes. Okay. Um, and this would be approximately. We're talking nineteen twenties. Was I graduated from the Sumner Normal in nineteen and twenty six. 1926 from Sumner. Sumner Normal. Sumner Normal, okay. All right. Um, all right, so you were working. Mm-hmm. And uh, what ha how did you happen to get to Columbia? Saved my money between 1926 and 1929, I worked there and out at the Hamilton Hotel, uh, Hamilton and uh, Hodemont. <coughs> now I lived on Corporate uh, Cook, Cook, Cook Avenue then, and would take the Hodemont car six o'clock. 5.30 in the morning and ride out to that family hotel and make six gallons of coffee for the workers at the hotel so that that was ready for them by 6 o'clock. And about 7.30 I would leave there and come back in and go to school, because I was still going to school then. At normal? Mm-hmm. Sumner normal. So from a dollar twenty-five and, and all the other jobs, you saved money, enough money? Yeah. And my dad had gone to New York. A friend of his, husband and wife, asked him to drive them to New York. 
and he did and stayed. He didn't come back. Your father didn't come back? Mm -mm. This approximately, was this in the 20s too? Late 20s and early 30s. Early 30s. Okay, so you and your mom were here. Yes, and she was able to work. She worked as a stock girl at Stein's department store down on Washington. Mm -hmm. Hanging hanging dresses and keeping things hung up like that. Yes. Um, okay. Um, how did you become aware of Columbia University from, from Sumner Normal? I don't remember how I be <laughs> arrived that that was the school I wanted to go to. Mm -hmm. But you were you wanted to be a teacher. Not particularly. I just wanted a good job. You just wanted a good job, and that was the way to get one. Yeah. Was it a lot different uh, being in New York? Oh, yes, because I stayed with my father. Of course, he was rooming, and he got a room right next to his in the house that was right across the street from uh, the Renaissance basketball group. And I could sit up there and look out my window right over into their gym and watch them <laughs> practice their, their basketball shots. And uh, what's that famous basketball team where they were such wonderful dribblers? Globetrotters? That's it, Globetrotters. Oh, I could watch them all evening. That was like magic, wasn't it? Yeah. Watch them, and when they didn't practice, I turned my head to the right and listen to all of the good music up on the hill. Uh, New York University was up on the hill from me. So I got exposure to that. What What was the run? I don't understand. Was Was this in Harlem? Are you talking about? Sure. Okay. All right. 120. Hmm. 137th Street. Well, that was a whole nother world from St. Louis, wasn't it? Sure. What'd you like about Harlem the most? I don't know. I didn't pick out anything that I liked. I just I had a place to live and and uh, move around in New York. And when I had a little extra change, I'd take a bus ride downtown. I, Somewhere, one year, I took my mother with me, and uh, I didn't feel well one weekend while she was there, and I went to the school doctor, and she said, how long have you been here? And I told her, what have you seen of New York? I said, well, everything I
she says, the doctor told me, I want you to take all of your books that you have to study, put them under the bed Friday night, and Saturday morning, when you get up, you just count the change you have in your pocketbook. And you take a trip around the island. I did. That was certainly educational and relaxing to just me and my dad that year. So next time I took my mother with me, I had her to go with me. And she enjoyed it so much that she hadn't been out of St. Percy. Well, that was yeah. not... That was nice that you could um, catch up with your dad again. Mm-hmm. And things didn't seem to be as expensive then as, as they have grown to be now by any means. So, and another trip, I learned New York and took my, took my dad on trips around New York. I think the first one was down Wall Street. I wonder why they call it Wall Street. Uh, buildings so close together that it makes it look like a wall around the street. Possibly. Nope. <laughs> nope. No. It was, and I had the nerve enough to step from one side of the street to the other side of the street. Exactly eight steps from curb to curb. That's all the wider Wall Street was at that time business and I had to go on that street also to get to a, a representative of my bank here in St. Louis and that was another way I learned where Wall Street was and the business area and uh, went down there a couple of times. Uh, Mercedes, I, I need to take up uh a little time asking you about something else that you brought up earlier so I know what to um, I would like to ask you some questions but I would like to use the right term and you said I'd use black and you said that is not something that you have ever used I believe I what what do you like to be identified as um, as a person as a person um, well then were there many persons like you at Columbia at that time? Yep. And how was it? Racial issues I didn't hear of. There. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot different there than it was in St. Louis. Oh yeah. And while up there I joined an organization that I still belong to. Which is? Association for Childhood Education International. And I still am a member of that organization. And what do they do? Educational problems on three different levels the primary, the middle grades, and the senior mm -hmm. groups. 
Um, when did you return to St. Louis? Every summer. Mm -hmm. I only went to Columbia during the summer. Did you want to, did, oh, you just went there in the summertime? Yeah. To school? Mm-hmm. I see. I thought it was... Uh, I counted a complete year. No. Mm-hmm. So you worked, came back and worked, and then went back up? And I saved, put aside money each month when I was working. Mm-hmm. So I had enough money to stay over from June through July and get back home the last of July to go back to the school work I was doing here I see. in September. I see. Um, and that was still at, at normal? And when I started working, that was $120 a month was the salary. And where, when did you start working and where was it? St. Louis in 1929. Uh-huh. First job as a substitute in public, public school. What school was it? I don't remember what school was the first one I subbed in. Mm -hmm. But uh, one of them I remember teaching there for a long time, the longest time, was the Montgomery School on Montgomery near Glasgow. Mm -hmm. And remarkable as it is, there's a man living in this building now, mm -hmm. a part of the family that lived near that school then, mm -hmm. 19, 39, and I taught and we moved from Montgomery School to Dunbar, and they gave the Dunbar School to the Negroes then. And this fellow living in the building now, I taught him in the second grade <laughs> at Dunbar School. How'd you find each other? He is now 70 years old. <laughs> and he comes from a large family. The family name is Robnitz. And he was the younger, youngest of the boys. Seven children in that family. Out of the seven, there were two sets of twins. Gosh. <laughs> and Somehow or another, we kept up with each other all this time. That's amazing. Now, I think there's still seven, but not the same seven, that live in this building together. Tell me how you came to um, to begin the uh, Girl Scout troop. Through my ballet dance teacher. And how did that come about? Tell me about she it. She had two Caucasian friends, ladies who were in Girl Scouting, and they had told her, we would certainly like to see some Negro girls in the Scouting. Do you know of any that I, we could ask to be a leader? And 
my dance teacher had two daughters, and they didn't want to be bothered with it at all. So when she asked me, I said, yes, I, I'd like to try it. Mm -hmm. And that was 1935. Do you know the Caucasian? I've been with it. Mrs. Dunbar was one that I cannot for the life of me remember the other woman who worked with her in establishing Girl Scout troops mm -hmm. here. But Mrs. Dunbar was one of them. All right. I'm sorry I interrupted you. What were you going to say? That's all. Oh, you started, I think, talk about the, the, the Girl Scout troop. Oh, so I started it with the Catholic girls, girls when we had an entirely Negro Catholic church right down the street here at um, Pine. 31, this is yes, 30, 31 what, 3120, 3129 I think it was, Pine Street, mm -hmm. and I started Catholic Girls right there, and then went, got a, then well started and got a couple of assistants, and uh, then I was living in uh, Blessed Sacrament area, Kings Highway and Terry, the church was. So I started a group out there and around in different Catholic churches. Um, was it difficult to get them started? Were people interested? Oh, yes, it was difficult because in those days they didn't, they weren't too in, in, uh, enthused about girls going out, groups of them going out away from home, very far away from home at all. So I had to establish a good rapport with the parents so that they would be the um, group of adults to go along and help supervise. Tell me about parents at that time. What what was the when you say they weren't used to having the girls go out? Were they very protective and? Oh yes, and of course it wasn't difficult to make them stick to the Girl Scout rules because with Girl Scouting, any group of girls in scouting that went out even just to explore their neighborhood. The ruling was one adult to every eight girls. Mm -hmm. And I always tried to see that I had that type of supervision. And the parents didn't mind them going in a group. And uh, as followed, Girl Scout rules and regulations always through. Know your neighborhood, know your family first, and know your neighborhood next, and then know your community. Mm -hmm. And that's the way we progressed. And what kinds of things did you do? Well, things that girls do at home mm -hmm. and things that girls learned at home. 
people. They practice what they learned at home. How many troops do you think that you might have started? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. But many? Twenty, maybe? No, because I was a stickler for following the rules. If you don't start a Girl Scout troop until you have a parents' group to support them. And you get eight adult women to work together on the Girl Scout program together. Then you could get eight girls. They didn't have to be related to those eight women at all. Just so there were eight of them. And uh, in learning your neighborhood, going around learning the streets, what was on those streets, where churches and schools were located, and what activities were around them, and then going out farther, out to the uh, yeah, I think we had a community center there, and to the park, things of nature that you could discover, picnic lunches. You had to do all the work and get it all organized and together. And during the summer months, uh, that if they saved up their money during the winter and fall, that they could go to. We couldn't go to the Girl Scout camp uh, here at all, you know. You could not go? Mm -mm. Because? Everything was separate. Segregated. Yeah. But uh, somehow or another I got my foot stuck in that door. How'd you do that? <laughs> Just kept pushing and being on the scene and even if they saw just one brown face, they would know that we existed. Mercedes, yes. that's not a, you just said about three sentences, but in those three sentences was a lot of work, a lot of thought, and it took a lot of gumption or, or persistence. And I'd like you to tell me how you went about making those three words happen. Um, Being present was one thing. Where could you be present? Well, uh, letters were sent out to adults connected with Girl Scouting. Like a Mrs. Dunbar? Yeah, who was on a larger than, on a neighborhood committee or something like that, some city committee. And uh, they felt by sending me a notice that they were meeting for a certain reason and at a certain time. I just got up and went. Um, and and did they? And was accepted. And did they send you that notice that they were going to meet? Yeah. And then you went. Yeah. And and um, where would they be holding their meetings? Do you remember? I believe me, I know. <laughs> I'm asking you to go back a, a long time to think of these answers, but I think it's important, uh, Mercedes. I think it's important to know about 
someone like yourself and someone like the Girl Scouts being formed in your community and how it was and how people went about things to get it done? Well, those uh, from other races and groups, I must say, were very cordial and they showed little to no partiality. Well, that was very good for you and your girls. We were included in, in until they saw that we were going to stick it out and be a part of the program until finally National said they had to join. And that was when Cedar Ledge finally opened their doors for a period of camping at Cedar Ledge for Negro girls. We had started a camp of our own out at Quiver River under the YWCA and called it Camp Derricott. So we had, oh, about three years, we had two periods of Girl Scout camping out there in Troy, Missouri. So then we were able to mix in by knowing more about camping program. We were able to send representatives from our camp to Cedar Ledge and vice versa and just finally joined together. Was Derricott originally begun under the auspices of your Girl Scout troop or what? No, it YWCA. Y yes, it was a YWCA, but... It was you the just Negro YWCA, yes. Phyllis Wheatley yeah. branch YWCA. I, I understand that, but uh -huh. you, you all just joined up with them. You were part of their... They let the Girl Scouts rent it for a two-week period I see. each year. Separate from their wife. Oh their yes, wife separated camp. from their okay. program. That, that's yeah. what I was trying to yes, understand. Yes, separated from their program. Um, but I worked at, in both campings because I did quite a bit of handicraft and, and campcraft mm -hmm. work. So I did campcraft and handicraft with both groups. When you when you say I'd like to go back to the uh, the uh, Caucasian inclusion or your inclusion into that, um, I'm trying to get us a better sense of uh, you went to their meetings and then they leaders they were called leadership meetings leadership meetings mm -hmm. and um, so what applied to them applied to us too if we. Wanted to be Girl Scouts, we had to stick under the same rules and laws and that they had. Uh huh. Was there? Was there? You make it sound like there was. You just went to meetings and there were no particular problems whatsoever, uh, having to do with the fact that uh, uh, you were Negroes. Is that? No, I no, I don't remember having a lot of problems like that at all. Okay, so it was just a matter of your. Being present, if I was mm -hmm. there, nobody talked against me. Mm -hmm. I made any difference because I was there. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't feel like I was any different from those who were there. Now, were you... Merc I took training 
under the uh, original group that met here? Mixed? No. Well, I was the first one to make the mixture. You were, you were the mix. Yeah. <laughs> you made the mix. I made the mix. Yeah. And I brought that back to our mother's committees and things and mm -hmm. let them know about it. And next time there was a meeting, and I always tried to get one of them to go along with me and did. And until we had a, a group we could call a mix a city-wide committee of our own. So very simply, Mrs. It just blended. Uh-huh. You, but if not for your, your quiet or whatever. Persistence, persistence. I guess, and being, <laughs> keeping that one foot in the door. Uh-huh. I didn't see why our girls should be any different from there. So you gave every, all the girls a, a, a big gift here. Uh, now, I don't know which one it is, but if you look up there on that television, I think you'll see a plaque that I was given last month or so from the National Council of Negro Women. Yes, here it is, uh, presented to Mercedes Spiller for your years of dedicated service to the Girl Scouts and disabled students locally and nationally. And here's another one. Mercedes, Mercedes Spiller, Girl Scout Council of Greater St. Louis, 55 years service award. That came from the citywide Girl Scout Council. There's the Bertha Black Rota section of the National Council of Negro Women Founders Day Award presented to Mrs. Mercedes Spiller for volunteerism, 12190. And um, that's a lot of awards. That's wonderful. Just by keeping my foot in the door. Um, Tried to make a place for the younger ones coming up and having the same experiences that others had. Mercedes, when you're keeping that foot in the door, can you tell when you're dealing with Caucasians that you're trying that to... That are hostile? Well, can you tell, can you tell which ones are going to, to to be um, they were em empathetic to your to your your feelings and your desires to do better for your your children. I didn't meet it in Girl Scouting. I met it when I was going to Columbia, and uh, in a subject I was taking called social learnings under a Miss Lindsay from Canada. Resistance is what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. You're meeting resistance? Yes. Okay. Uh, it was a year when they were talking so much about scapegoats. And uh, she spoke up like that 
in class on Oh, you've been talked about like that, haven't you? And you've been called those names too, haven't you? Oh, you it's because see you come from you come from the south. I said, stop right there. St. Louis is in the middle middle of the middle state of the United States of North America. So we have all types of people, racial and otherwise, within St. Louis, Missouri. And I said, furthermore, if you'd like to know more about our living within the same areas and close to each other, are even working together. Sing me in your office at two o'clock this afternoon. Because I've never been called the names that you say, that little book that talks about scapegoats. I've never been exposed to it. And I've been just as I am today, facing you right now today. We'll talk about it at two o'clock. So I shut her up. <laughs> did you talk about I, it? Oh, indeed I did. I went right to her office at the end of the cl class. Oh, well, I, I just uh, thought they, uh, that all, all of you all were, were, were called. Uh, no one, I've lived this. I don't know how many years old I was then, but I don't know how many years old. I said, I've never been called those names. That you are reading out of that book. Hmm. Never. So I said, well, I certainly hope that you get a chance to be exposed to more different groups than you have so far. And by crack, you said that to her. Yeah. Uh -huh. What happened in 1959? The Association of Childhood Education International met here in St. Louis. Oh and I had organized the committee, the citywide committee now, to be hostess to that organization during their convention here. Mm -hmm. Uh, one of the college teachers helped me with the organization. And I, about four or five of the Caucasians from St. Louis City organization, and we all met together and formulated plans that we would meet together and how and where we would meet and what we would offer to each other came into St. Louis that year with 14 students from the class of social learnings was Miss Lindsay. And she looked over the desk and saw me. <laughs> Can't tell you the various shades of red that she turned. <laughs> but she turned and I got up behind the desk I said, excuse me ladies, went over and stuck my hand out to her. Dr. Lindsay, welcome to St. Louis <laughs> in the middle of the state of Missouri, in the middle of the United States 
of North America. Okay. We're happy to receive you here. What may I do for you? How many did you? How many representatives? How many students did you bring with you? She had brought fourteen students with her. And I says, "What may I do for you? Uh, what is your mission here in this conference this year?" Oh, well, that breathing was something else. <laughs> Fourteen students said, "And want them to see uh, how a, an organization uh, of 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 this uh, oh she had words for it magnitude, uh, educational background, education, some and so on." how they get along. Oh, I said, I'm so glad you asked. Because that's the department of the conference that I have charge of. Will you bring your 14 girls over here and introduce them to me, please? <laughs> she came over and introduced me to all 14 girls. And I asked each one, what part what division in, of education are you most interested in? The primary, the intermediate, or senior? And that's the way I divided them and put them mm -hmm. in groups with the local Girl Scouts, whichever one they came up with mm -hmm. uh, of the association and turn them over to a chair person in that division of education that they were interested in. And looked at my watch and said, at such and such a time, will you please see that this group of girls are back to this spot where they may get together for lunch? <laughs> so I just took over, directed them in that way throughout the five-day conference. And they had no trouble no. and enjoyed it. Uh -huh. and, and that's what I call sticking my foot in the door and keeping it in there. Yeah. You've done that all your life, I. Yeah, yeah. I've had no trouble. Well, you, you, you. Let me ask you back with this camp, um, the Girl Scout camp. When they mixed, when they did go out there, did they? They went out and uh, as a group, as a large group, mixing Negroes and Caucasians? Not at first. How did it go? They selected the level of camping that they wanted to do together first. And that group was thrown, the intermediates were thrown together first. And from their experience in camping, they came back and were able to tell the younger ones what their experience had been and made them interested in going too and also made the girls, the senior girls, more interested in wanting to go. Hmm. So we divided them in that way. Early education, middle education and senior. And then uh, after that we had several sessions of everybody together. It was a pretty clever way to do it, the middle, the middle children first. Mm-hmm. So they were going home and telling everything about it. <laughs> and then 